You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Raw Dog, Sirius XM 99, and on the Ridecast Podcast Network. I'm Dan Natterman. I'm with Noam Dorman, owner of the world-famous Comedy Cellar. Hello, Noam. Hello, Daniel. We have Perry Alashen, brand the producer. Dave Juskow, Comedy Cellar, sort of a regular. I don't know how to <laughs> define him, but yeah. we'll get into that. And we have a special guest, legendary musician from a former frontman from Sticks, Dennis DeYoung, who, by the Ooh. way, yes, that's you, Dennis. Back with his... Uh, <laughs> oh, that, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my cue. Hey, Noam, I know him anywhere. I've <laughs> never heard that. <laughs> huh? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, yeah. What are you going to do with all those instruments? Do you play those instruments? Oh, actually, it's a green screen, but I, but I do have, I do play all those instruments. I have, I have, uh, I don't know if you can see, like, I have a bunch of instruments. That's actually my house. Um, oh yeah! Look at him. He's he's gonna gen- he's gonna join Renaissance with his lute. Yeah, yeah, it's an ooh. Yeah, that would be. I, I used to like Renaissance actually. The gold and, records and look a little him. better. <laughs> and it's I don't know if you're looking for an oud player uh, on your next tour. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, only if he has, only if he has flowers in his hair. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I mean, depends what you're paying. Not head No. Dennis, I thought of you because in addition to being a, a fan of sticks, I saw recently on YouTube, you've been posting a little treat for fans. You've been posting some songs that you've been singing from your home. Uh, the Best of Times was the one that I saw. And um, I think there was another song that you had posted. But um, are you, are you going to yeah, post yeah. any more of those? At gunpoint. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you the story. Here's what happened. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, some people on my Facebook said, Dennis, um, we need your music now more than ever. They said this, and I thought, well, I, I prefer a vaccine, but okay. So um, <laughs> why don't you be like all the other needy celebrities and do something for your from your house? You go, hey, don't forget about me. I still exist. Who gives a shit about you anyway? So uh, I thought, okay. Um, and then somebody said, the lyrics from the best of times when people lock their doors, hide inside. Rumor has it it's the end of paradise as well. Mm-hmm. That's not so bad. So I just put the, this is this iPad, best investment I ever made. I just did another thing for a thing, Zoom in. I'm the king of Zoom for, for some odd reason. And so I put it on the piano. Piano is out of tune because have you heard there's a pandemic? So um, I do a little bit of best of times. And I think to myself, <clears throat> Well, that's suitable. That's suitably horrible. But anyway, I think well, maybe the fans will like it. I put it up, and then it it trends. So, kids, let me just say this: I haven't trended since 1981, and that was because <laughs> of my mustache. And that I didn't even invent that. So anyway, this thing starts. I ended up with like a million four hundred thousand. No, a million, a million forty thousand. Million. Who cares? Lots. Who am I, Lady Gaga? Lady, Lady Gaga. No, I am not Lady Gaga. So that happened to me. So. You know, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Honest to God, you kids, you're young. Well, not this guy over here. He looks pretty old. But uh, <laughs> this one here, yeah, he's a Dick Van Dyke, uh, Robin Laura. And, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, I know. Was it's a, Carl Reiner just died. Yeah, that's why I put it up. And but Lady Gaga got her name from your song, Lady. See, she stole it all. I know. We used to do that joke on, uh, on stage. We just acapella sing the harmony. Lady, Lady Gaga. <laughs> nothing. I heard nothing from the woman. Did what? She send me. She Dennis, send you me said that. that uh, Dennis, you said on actually you know, there was a video for um, for uh, sh- show me the way, and you uh, you said that you were, had read all of the comments. Is that true on the best of times video? I tried. Then it got silly. These people. I don't know. What, listen, <clears throat> look. I'm seventy three. I'm not, you know, legally, I'm not supposed to be in this business anymore. Look amazing. But nonetheless, nonetheless, here I am. Uh, and uh, it was the Sunday. It was posted Saturday. 
and then would have like 300,000. No, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I, I don't get 300. I went, that's a mistake. So I, then he said the, uh, the comments. I started reading them, and I'm on the couch in my family room, uh, and I started to tear up because I thought, who do these people think I am? They, they were saying such outrageously beautiful things about me. Um, I couldn't, I, I kept seeing my name in the sentence, but I thought that's got to be a mistake. You know, an American treasure, uh, God's gift. I thought somebody should have a discussion with God about this because this doesn't sound right to me. I know who I am. I'm a kid with an accordion who wrote some songs. But nonetheless, people were vulnerable. They poured their hearts out with all these comments. I, start, I got the 5,000. I, I, wrote, I read, read 5,000 comments and I thought, well, they like me. Well, listen, I'll tell you, I mean, Dan, Dan's younger than I am. I'm, I'm class of 80 in high school. And, you know, I can, as I'm looking at you, I can remember like being in the car in the beginning of Come Sail Away comes in with that little like da 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 on the piano and just the whole car just singing. Like it just, you just connected with that generation. And, and uh, you know, I don't have that kind of memory of every song at that time. And that was a golden age of music on top of it. So, yeah, I can see why people uh, are writing yeah. your comments. This, it, it, you're part of their lives. It's, it's in Plus a very, you were doing, very deep you were doing way. concept music at that time when nobody was doing that. And it was, it's, uh, your songs mean so much to so many people. And it totally holds up. And I assume the new generation is just understanding it now. They could give a shit. Uh, <laughs> by the way, did you, guys ever, did you guys ever play Wonderama? What the heck's that? That was like, a, like, a local it was, show. It, it was, you know, it was, it was a, they used to have bands on, but it was a kid's show. But it had like American bandstand type bands uh, would go on there. For listen, some reason, I have a recollection of that. Here's our manager. His belief was we should never be on TV. He's <laughs> a smart man. <laughs> never do any video. Why? Uh, but you did. Him. Ask him. I can't. I I argue with him all the time. So no, it couldn't have been us. We never got. We we got everything offered. We done. We did nothing. So uh, no, that 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 never happened. But look at you were talking about. Uh, what were you talking about? You was just before that. I was talking about how much you connected with people of my you know my age. I'm going to be 58. I'm the same age. Is it Dan? Is it Dan who's young? Is that what you uh, said? Well, Dan, Dan's, Dan's young. Yeah, relatively young. But I'm 50. But people say I look younger and. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 would, I would question that. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, you do. You do. I thought, well, let's not talk to Danny. He doesn't know anything about me, for God's sake. But we're, you know, we're, the thing is, we're, I just did this brand new album, 26 East. And here, here's the thing. You talked about concept albums. On this new album, my concept was simple. It was a concept. It was a don't suck. Because uh -huh. who needs that? So we worked really hard, me and Jim Peter, to write all these songs. And it turned out really good. But you know what I've learned? Uh, I'm 73, and as I look around the world right now, what I've learned is I don't know nothing. So um, especially with the pandemic, I'm going, who are these people? I used to kind of like human beings. I'm not so sure anymore. Are you? I'm thinking, what did that guy just say? So the thing is, uh, people come up to me. This is the best part of what I've been doing. This is the truth now, guys. You, you've come to the wrong person if you want me to bullshit you and give you some stuff about uh, show business. I don't believe in it. But here's what happened to me. Um, I'm making this new album. And all these people that have come up to me in the last 15 years or so when I'm on the road, they come up to me. They're in 50s, 60s. You know, they're older. <clears throat> and they tell me these stories, just like the comments on Best of Times, about how what an influence I had on their lives personally, how what I did for a living made their life better. You want to talk about a humbling experience because I was never trying to do that. Remember when I was making this music, there were no rock stars that were over 40 years old. And uh, the, the thought that this would happen be an impossibility for me to even consider. I was just trying to kick Aerosmith's ass and Queen. That's all I wanted to do was beat them to, to a pulp. Beat them up the charts because it was, you know, it's competition. That's what we're doing. And so now you're talking about the luckiest guy in the face of the earth. I heard people tell me honestly, openly, vulnerably what I did to make a living, guys, uh, meant that much to them. I just sometimes I, I feel like, you know, I was I, I don't want to say the word blessed because that, that implies something. But I was damn lucky. 
Seems well, like skill and talent to me, but uh, yeah, grand I illusion alone. I mean, <laughs> you know, here's so the thing. Powerful. I always tell, I talk to you because I say, remember this: talent's not enough. Just people have talent wherever you, you know. Everywhere, watch America's Got Talent. Everyone can do. Look what that guy's doing over there. He jumped up seventy feet in the air and he landed on the teacup. How did he do that? People got talent, but you got to have. You have to have. You guys know this. You're in show business. You have to have such perseverance and such dedication, and you've got to want it more than everybody else, because everybody else wants. How 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 has it changed? Like how? Okay, the first the first record I remember hearing you guys was Lady. Was that was that your first big hit? Right. So how many hours? How many hours did it take to record that, start to finish? Would you say? Huh? Probably just. I don't remember because I think I was drunk at the time, but no, I wasn't. But I don't remember. Honest to God, here's the thing. That was the first hit record. I didn't know it was Lady when I was recording it. It was a song I'd written. In fact, it was the first song I ever wrote and sang by myself on a record. Wow. So wow. I had no frame of reference. Uh, I, so in other words, mentally, I remember sitting in there playing that piano part till I got it right. But I don't think it took long. I think you did that stuff in a day. You know, right like quick, right? Now it could take yeah, you weeks to do the same record. But another, if you figure that start, that was in 1973, and you went up. Oh, I know to the Gulf War, where I mean, if you have a 20-year run as a band, that's pretty special. That's rare. It is. Um, it's it's uh, to me. We had a lot going for us as a band. We had three writers, three singers. Uh, we could sing everything we recorded. We could play live. We were, we were good. And uh, we had cut our teeth as a live performer, as so many musicians did in those days. You had to be able to do that first. You couldn't send in a demo you made in the toilet on your phone. Not possible. And fix everything there on your palm. What do you need? I want more of that. Good. Uh, you had to play and sing right there in front of somebody. So uh, we were a very good band. I, in my opinion, we were as good as any live American rock and roll band of our day. And but really, guys, <clears throat> song is king. Yeah. I preached all the time I was in the band, all the time we were putting together these records. I said, guys, you know, uh, they're going to forget that we have tight set and pants on. You know, I had a beard and a long hair down there. That's going to go. That goes. What remains uh, is uh, is the song. So I focused on trying to get all the very best songs we wrote on the record and. To this day, I, I think I was right because people don't come, uh, they don't come to see me because they think, oh, that looks like the guy from 1977. You know, they come because they love the songs and they love the singer, singer and songs. This is the magic. That's what I, I preached. Are you were right. You were, you, were, you were a special live performance group. I mean, it was a big deal to come see you live. You put together shows purposely for live performances that were amazing. You might have even started Arena Rock, you know, like, I mean, you, you know, the, when you'd sell, the big shows were made for your kind of music, the big venues, you know, the garden and all that kind of things. I think, um, you know, myself and Jeff Rabbits, you guys may know him. He's been Bruce Springsteen's lighting guy for the last 30, 30 some odd years. He was our guy. He was from Chicago. He's a graduate from Northwestern. And he and I, I wanted to take or steal all the best ideas from theater, I mean, the scrims and the way this thing goes and the tomb and the bum, and bring them into rock. I wasn't the first. I saw Alice Cooper uh, oh, yeah. in 73 or four out on the road. And I, I went, oh my God, there's a Cyclops. Oh my God, look at that. And I was, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't busy watching Judy Garland. I saw Alice do that theatrical thing. I thought it would be so cool because we had little theatrical things like the very first time we came on stage when we were sticks, we used to come onto the William Tell Overture with strobe lights. That's pretty pretentious. Where do you go from there? Up. Uh -huh. So kept, you know, let's make it this way. Let's do, oh, sticks is theatrical. Oh my goodness. Blah, blah. I watch pop stars today. We, we look like buskers on, in the subway compared to what people are doing now. I mean, they got 30 dancers. They got, video things and walls and people moving and elephants coming in. 
it's 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 beyond belief. Do you, do you think it's better? I I don't like something when I see a band like a real band and they have a lot of dancers and stuff. I just find it distracting. I prefer to watch the Stones standing near each other. I you know relating to each other and watch a band. I don't like when it's overproduced. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, that's why you got gray in your beard. But yeah. anyway, uh, this is. I dyed gray. I got, uh, but he was a pioneer for those kind of things that those guys wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't for Dennis, you know? I mean, he was really oh, a pioneer. God. I mean, Alice Cooper was probably the, the pioneer for those kind of shows. And then, like oh. you said, I mean, really, yeah. it's a, Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm interested in my question. So, Dennis, because you guys yeah. played like a band, you, you actually prefer to have the dancers and all that stuff? No, are you kidding oh. me? Oh, okay. make us look no, what, what I'm saying is rock is dead. It's been dead for at least a decade. Yeah. Not because the music's dead or people want to play it or listen to it, but because radio, I have to tell you this, you guys make this of your living. There's no rock radio in America anymore. They've made a decision. All the kids, and I, it's not going to be racist to say white kids, <clears throat> because Careful. they're the ones that, <laughs> I can say that, they're the I'm ones kidding, that made rock. We don't care. <laughs> popular, not famous. We know it was, you know, a combination of things. But those white kids now, if you watch them, here's when I knew things had changed. I pull up to a stoplight, it might have been 20 years ago. And in the old days, that would be, I don't know who's on there. Deep Purple, you name it. Was it Stixus Renegade, if, you know, with the cranking with the speakers, the kid's ears bleeding, he don't care. He thinks he's gonna live forever. Suddenly it was rap music. All the people who wanted to rebel against their parents, play, you know, buying rock music, blah, blah, blah. They, I think they went over to, to rap music because it's more rebellious. You know, it's, it's everything that uh, rock maybe stopped being. I don't know. But for me, uh, rock is dead. Admit it. Th th you can't hear it on the radio hardly any place. They just released this new album, 26 East. And I got some airplay, but there's just not enough stations. So where do, where do kids go to when they want to rebel? I mean, they're not going to go to, to Ariana Grande, as beautiful and, uh, and wonderful she is. That rap is suiting that need. So for me, all these dancers on stage, <clears throat> I find it, how can I say this gently? Nauseating. No, it's not. It's, not <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's beside the point. But you and I don't matter, okay? You don't matter. I don't matter. The public has made a choice. Yeah. Because if radio could make money, with advertising dollars, playing rock and roll, you'd be hearing it 24-7 in every place you could go. But for some reason, the American public has moved on from rock and roll. Let's remember, it's lasted over 60, 70 years. That's a long time for, for a musical style. And it, it, it's turned the page on us. And that's just the way it is. So kids, you can't, it's like this. I'm going to convince a kid he shouldn't listen to music on his iPhone. What am I? I might as well jump in front of a train. You yeah. better get on is if you get in front of it, it's going to run you over. And it's so, the same thing with music. That, they made a des decision. And when I talked about your gray beard, I, I wasn't making fun. I'm saying, well, we believe that. Because no, that's, I don't our yeah. that's our music. Let, you know let, me, let me show you how right you are, because I just happened to get a tweet from somebody today. These are the top five selling rock acts of 2020. Queen, Elton John, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Journey, and Fleetwood Mac. Those are the top five selling uh, rock acts in 2020. I mean, time is dense. I, I was going to say the same thing. The only people that are putting out rock music are the people like Green Day and the Foo Fighters. When they put out a new album, that's about all we have left. Foo Fighters are big. They're still big, but yeah. And, and they're a band band, yeah. Right, I mean, but, that's, but that's where it ends, with those bands, with those guys who well, are about our age. hunger for, you know, when I look at a YouTube video and I mostly listen to the older stuff and I see the comments, a lot of like kids saying, wish I were alive in the 80s, wish I were alive in the 90s. Now, I don't know if that's representative of a mass movement. It may be just a small number of people, but I see those comments and I wonder if there's any kind of a hunger for that music from people, uh, younger people that, that, that aren't getting it, you know, uh, that, that are going to the old stuff to fulfill their, 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 their craving for that kind of music. I'd like to believe that, but I don't because uh, I think the sales figures would, you know, what you're talking about there is people can go back and pick the biggest things of their time. They're tried and true, proven hits, right? And I bet a lot of that stuff is greatest hits records. Yeah. There might be. I don't know. 
But I, I'd be guessing, okay, so you're going to get a, 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 whatever it is, you know, like I said, I had to, I had to break up. Uh, I almost didn't, didn't be, I wasn't able to do this interview today because I was, I was busy sound, uh, signing downloads and, and streams from my new album. So, <laughs> but I'm, I got the full album. <clears throat> So that's it. You know, they're going to go back and, and remember, along with all those, that great music, there were tens of thousands of crap albums being made too by people. But going back, it, it, it's, it's, it's fruitless. The public made a decision. Do you, uh, let me ask, Sirius XM, right? And by the way, I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't subscribe. I have a, a not so serious XM. They're monthly <laughs> is less. But for you guys, <clears throat> if, if Sirius could play brand new rock music, and, and have a, a 12 share of any market, they'd be playing it. Yeah. It's financial. It's rock and roll, one of the major reasons rock and roll was successful was a numbers game. Here we got all these baby boomers coming of age, right? And all these guys that ran record companies were older and couldn't give, it was Mitch Miller, they didn't care about rock and roll. But all of a sudden, all the kids had spendable income. My generation, baby boomers, we had dough. Our parents spoiled us here, right? And so these record people said, hey, we can make a fortune off this kid's music. We hate it, right? But let's make a fortune. This is radio. I've made this observation about radio 40 years ago. If there was a radio station, we'll get the, get the highest ratings in New York City by playing one song 24 hours a day. <laughs> They do it. Yeah. They do yeah, it right. because in the revenue stream, radio is a business. That um, That's it. station here, and maybe it's all over the country, that plays Christmas music from Thanksgiving to Christmas. I mean, they make a fortune every year on that. They all, all station. Over. Which one? Is that your uncle's station? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, so I have a, so I have a couple. So I have a, I have a theory about all that, which is that um, there are just, and I don't know how you feel about this, there are magical times of golden ages in various artistic genres and styles and whatever it is. And, and there was just this period from the late 60s to, to seemed like, and it petered out in the beginning of the 80s, of just an amazing uh, series of really innovative, uh, inspired artists, including Sticks. And they themselves ran out of inspiration. Like, I couldn't listen to a Stevie Wonder album after the 80s. I, I ran out of Paul McCartney. Like, they all, they all kind of lost it for me after a while. Not, not because I was less interested. And um, it didn't, and, and, it, and then it floundered around until Nirvana came along, and that was like a breath of fresh air. And then we're, we're, out in the, we're out in the pastures again. We're out in the desert again. And, you know, until somebody comes along with a new take on it, it's kind of been exhausted in a way. I, I don't know how you feel about That's an that. excellent observation. I think it's uh, there's some good points there, but here it is. There's no radio. I don't care if, some, if somebody writes Abbey Road, all right, or Houses of the Holy tomorrow, and it isn't going to matter because it's a business. It's the music business. Without the business, the music, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. So I think people are trying to do that. They're trying to write the next whatever it is, Sgt. Pepper, whatever. You, Nirvana is your thing. Okay, me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create some controversy for you guys now. Are you ready? Yeah. Get your ready so I can get hate mail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it smells like teen spirit. That song and that video are monumental. Okay. Yeah. First time I saw it and I saw it and heard it at the same time. Never heard the song. And I looked at that video and I said, they've captured the zeitgeist right there. That's, yeah. that's, that's Pink Floyd's The Wall. For people who like flannel. <laughs> that's what I thought when I saw it. And I it's, said, it's, okay, that's got to be it. And you know what's better than the song? The video. Yeah. Well, it's so video, interesting. The video, it, it, it inspired an entire group of young people. Oh, we can be part of this because just before Nirvana, you know, I had guys putting too much lipstick on. Right. You know what I mean? I was just, the, the, the number one song in 1989, a year before Nirvana, when people were starving for something like Nirvana, was Chicago, Look Away. Do you remember that horrible song from Chicago 19? The well, Chicago 19 album? I, was say, I, th I think they're friends. 
Um, no, 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 but I'm saying that song was not their best. And that was number one. And number two, it was Millie Vanilli. This was not a good year for music. Millie Vanilli was good. Listen, this, is so this is so interesting what you said, because almost everybody I know can remember the first time they heard and saw Smells Like Teen Spirit. That's right. It's kind of like, it's, it just grabbed everybody, which is exactly my point. Like you can't, that can't be coincidence. They, they, and if they hadn't come along, Rock would have remained floundering until they did it. It, it requires a certain innovation. That's what hip hop was. And, and maybe it'll never happen again. Maybe it's been exhausted. But right now, Are there's nothing exciting, really, you know. Except, for- except, <clears throat> except staying, Dennis DeYoung, is it, is it a Styx album or, or a Dennis DeYoung album? His sixth original solo album is coming out called 26th East Volume 1. So I want to I segregate that from everything else I'm saying about music today. Because uh, uh, I, I love him, I like him a lot. <laughs> it's good what he said. The thing, and I apologize. I didn't realize it was a solo album. You're not doing albums with sticks anymore. I've been in the band for 20 years. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm I so sorry. I don't think him and Tommy get along too well. Ah, oh, yeah. I feel like a jackass now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive yeah, me. Yeah, it's okay. We'll have to resuscitate it after the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so here's do you miss? Do you here's, here's what you guys. Here's what you should have done. They had me on. <clears throat> There is a song called "With All Due Respect." Is it Perial? Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, go on YouTube and watch it for a second. Put your headsets on. Tell them how they missed the boat on this damn thing. Okay, so it's called "With All Due Respect." <clears throat> this, this is for you guys. It's your wheelhouse. It would have been something to talk about because I'm attacking the news media in this country, and it goes like this. The hook is, "Well, with all due respect, you are an asshole." That's the hook. <laughs> And I, I just gave it away because you haven't l- listened to it, but you'll laugh and the lyrics will get you. But yes, this is my solo album. Yes, I've been touring since 2000 as Dennis DeYoung because Michael Jackson's name was already taken. And uh, <laughs> I haven't been in the band since 1999. That's a fact. But getting back to Nirvana, here's the her- heresy. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't connect with anything else they did. Sorry. I mean, okay. maybe not for me. I, I love that song. I've given its props, right? It's fantastic. Yeah. The video is great. The rest of it, I go, uh, I'll, take, I'll take Pearl Jam. That's me. No, I I'll love take it. Pro- I'll take Soundgarden. If you're going to go, you know, you know where, like, uh, the, what was it? Uh, uh, Flannel Makes Me Itch. That's another al- album. But um, you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what I think about Nirvana. I said, well, yeah, they, they were the ones that, flip the door open but you know for me i like some of the other stuff better probably the number number one grunge which isn't even grunge black hole sun oh yeah chris cornell black hole sun is amazing what a song and then and then get jeremy or a bunch of the other stuff and you know anyway that's enough of who cares about what i people are going to write and say this is the asshole that wrote mr roboto for christ's sake dennis i i heard billy joe once saying that he couldn't uh, I don't know how he phrased it, but he said he couldn't tell a hit song if it bit him in the ass or whatever he said. But but he said he just didn't know when he wrote a song whether it was going to hit or not. Did did you, when you wrote Come Sail Away, were you thinking to yourself, you know what, I think this just might blow up or 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 um, or any of your other big songs? I mean, did, did you have a sense that they were going to be big or you had to wait and see like... Uh, it's not- Can I play a little of it? Oh, sorry, Dan. Play a little what? What are you playing? Fake truth, fake lie. You, you say this? On the TV talk shows, on the radio, the talking heads put on that show. Vocals. Yeah, your voice is amazing still. Listen to the hook. Let it go. Play the hook. Okay. Dennis hasn't lost anything vocally. That's and you just you got a guy who looks like Tommy Shaw on the back. I see.
Awesome. That's Wait, great. Fantastic. You sound so good. Those background well, vocals are killer, too. I'm just that saying, you know, news media, uh, what, what it is, it's, it, it's the, these, these cable TV shows and news in general has become entertainment in the worst possible sense in that they are arms of political parties. And they look right in the camera and tell you that it's a news station. You just know it's not. And they're ruining our country because they're, they're dividing us in ways that we would normally be divided. Why? For cash. That's what they're trying to do. Trying to sell advertising. We'll put these maniacs over here and these maniacs over there and we'll get them in a ring and start smacking at each other. And we, consumers of this, think, well, things are worse off than they ever have been. People hate each other everywhere. I don't believe it. But if you get a steady diet of that long enough, you're going to start to change. You will fundamentally change as a human being. And it's a disgrace to our nation. And with all due respect, there's a song about that. Well, you've always had messages like that in your song, like Mr. Roboto. That was, I mean, that whole album was a message about what was happening, right? Well, I mean, I think the message was just don't try this. Uh, but the message <laughs> was, <laughs> the message was in the lyrics of Mr. Roboto when he says, the problem's plain to see too much technology, machines to save our lives. Of course, right. they will. Machines dehumanize. And everybody went, what did he say? I don't care. I want to go, Domo Rarigato, Mr. That's all they wanted to do. So here's what you do. Don't hide a message in something that's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you write that song? Is that, did you write Mr. Roboto? Who is this guy? Is he, <laughs> he has guitars? No, he but you, was, that, was it, were you the writer? Of, you said there were three writers in the band. Is it, were you the writer yeah, of the song? He, he wrote that one, yeah. He, you wrote he that one. He doesn't he like to talk about it. <laughs> I, so, no, I, I want to know how you came up with it. How did you come up with Domain Mr. Roboto? What was the inspiration? <laughs> of course, <laughs> you're wrong. I love to talk about that song. It's a, when somebody says, Domain Arigato, what do you think? Mr. Roboto. It's culture. Of course, I, I wish I had 10 more like that. Uh, I wrote that. Uh, well, I wrote, do you remember where you were, how it came to you? I think I was constipated. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get it. Listen, if you know the story is so long, <laughs> you're gonna, you'll, you'll just go, I hate this guy. Here it is. No. It's a song that was written as the transitional piece for a live presentation, a rock theater piece, where a movie tells the backstory for 12 minutes in front of all these teenagers. Try that sometime. And then the last scene in the movie is the first scene on stage. That song was written only to make that transition. And then people said, that's pretty catchy. So what, what, it, what it boils down to is, um, Mr. Roboto um, has gone on to have a life of its own. Um, if I wrote 10 more like that, I'd buy Sirius XM myself. Uh -huh. Yeah, but that, so concert, that tour was amazing uh, though. Uh, and um, it, it's, it's to a concept album that I'm not gonna bore you with, but you know, they have a thing called Google, you can look it up. Um, but I wrote seven of the eight top 10 hits for, for, for six. <clears throat> uh, Babe, Lady, Best of Times, Come Sail Away, Mr. Roboto. What am I leaving out? Uh, two others, whatever they are. Don't let it show me the way. And, uh, and then Grand Delusion, I wrote that. Right. Laura Lott. Lots of, lots of stuff you would know. But Tommy Shaw wrote some great songs too. It was a band. We worked together. We brought the best out in each other. Um, he helped me with my songs. I helped him with his, JY. It was a thing. You know, groups are not supposed to be parsed up in, oh, I like that guy because he wrote that one. That, shut up. And everybody, George Harrison, when he went to India, we thought, what's he doing? Okay. But we still had John and Paul. So, and Ring. So that's, that's my take on that. So can I, can just getting quickly back to my previous question, because uh, getting back to the hits, did you, did you have any sense that, that these were big hits when you wrote them. Babe, Lady, Come Sail Away, things that seemed to me undeniable, but maybe they were deniable. And I just, in retrospect, find them to be undeniable. But um... Well, politically speaking, as we know now, and everything's undeniable. Or it, you can deny anything. What? So um, <laughs> I'm writing these songs. The only reason I do what I do <clears throat> as a creative person is not to stand in front of tens of thousands of people and have them you know, cheer me. That's lovely. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's everyone's 
every performer's dream. Because remember, I'm like you, uh, Periel. I'm just trying to please my mom and dad. That's all I'm trying to do here. That's all you're doing. All these guys sitting in this room, same shit, all the same. You think, which one didn't give me enough love? Was it mommy or daddy? I got to work really hard and be ambitious so they love me more. Not going to work. Not going to ever happen. But that was what drove me. So when I sat down to write a song, <clears throat> the joy of it all is this, the moment of creation. Because everything after that is awful. You're sitting at that piano, your guitar, wherever you are, and you do something and you go, God, that's, you get that feeling. Maybe the chills, you go, oh my God, maybe sometimes you'll tear up because you said you've connected to the truth in yourself about something in your nature. Because all I've ever done is this. I look around, because I'm an accordion player originally. That's how I started. I, I, I look around for some chords I like. Then I find some notes that seem to work nice on the chords and then stick words on them. That's all I do. And then uh, I give my point of view about my personal feelings and the world I see around me, hoping you will find yourself in my song. And when I do, that's success. Because when people come up to me and tell me how much <clears throat> my music has changed their lives, because it's not my music anymore, it's theirs. They've taken what I feel and I've written and there's now, it now belongs to them. Don't tell me that's not how you feel about your favorite songs. Those songs you feel are about you, are about the way you feel, the way you think. And that's all any of us do. So when I'm writing a song, most of the time, I know it's a hit record. I didn't know Lady because I'd never written one. And I, I swore up and down Robota was never going to be a hit record. And my wife made me a bet for a three-carat diamond because she said it's going to be a, a hit record. So she's uh -huh. got one. But the truth of the matter is, you know, my wife, you don't know this, but we've been married 50 years, my wife and I. Wow. Oh, God. Two, two kids on the, I, I, had a, I had a baby daughter and a wife before I had a record deal. So I wow. came at this with a different point of view. By the way, I, it just, first of all, the accordion, for, I mean, I know you know this, Dennis, but most people don't realize this. The accordion is a beautiful instrument. It's one of the most expressive instruments of all instruments. And as you're saying it to me, I'm thinking, Da 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 da. It sounds like an accordion melody. You couldn't really play that on the piano. But you need the long notes. Da da da. Right? Am I wrong? I think you're right. And I, I've oftentimes said <clears throat> that uh, my synthesizers just sounded like a giant accordion to me. But accordions are based in melody. Okay. And I'm a melody man in a rhythm age. I've always felt that about myself. I I. My songs are predominantly based in melody, and keyboard players tend to do that. Guitar players, it's more of a rhythmic instrument. So, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think those long passages, uh, and, and you hear all the, da -da 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 all the trills that I play on the piano. Yeah. Um, that's an accordion player playing piano. That's not a piano player. That's an accordionist. And then, of course, the ultimate question you have to ask any prolific singer-songwriter, which comes first? the music or the lyrics for you? Um, it, pr predominantly music because I'm a musician first. So I will gravitate <clears throat> toward finding the chords, finding the notes, and then, you know, attach lyrics. But sometimes, you know, a phrase will pop into your head and then you go and see what is the melody on that? And then you just, you construct it. Wow. Because songwriting is a craft. It, nobody understands it. It's a mystery. Nobody knows why you could write this genius piece of music and then write crap after crap or mediocrity. It's uh, every, every songwriter will tell you the same story. I always say I have a piano upstairs that's got some really good songs in it, but I have to sit behind it for the longest time before they fall out of there. <laughs> who, wow. who were the guys in the late 70s or you know, from, from when you, from you guys hit uh, who used to just, uh, you know, bug the shit out of you. Like you, 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 you have butterflies in your stomach when they had a new album coming out because they were just so fucking good that it would give you anxiety. Who were the guys like that? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, <laughs> no, because you got to be doing this. You got to think you're good. <clears throat> if you don't think you're good, stay home. Um, and you think, okay, are you kidding me? I can do that. You know, I, I'm better than that. That's, what, that's the way you have to think. Although one time I remember thinking to myself, 
I was watching Friday night videos <clears throat> and Bohemian Rhapsody came on and I looked at it and I said, uh-oh. <laughs> That's what I meant. Like, uh, holy shit, right? Yeah. But listen, let's be honest. Queen never did anything that approached that again. No, they did yeah. not. They're wonderful. Bohemian Rhapsody is like from God. Yeah. You listen to it, doesn't have a, it hasn't got a lyric that makes sense, which is why music is more important than lyrics. But there you go. I heard that and went, gosh, <laughs> uh, now what? But um, no, you do. Yeah, you think, and the video, ding, ding. I'd never even seen that stuff before. Right. I think this is a trick, a dirty, rotten trick. You mentioned, so, you mentioned one of the factors of success, not just talent, but desire. How much, you were, I guess, a music teacher prior to... Uh, to uh, your to your first big hit, how how were you were you going to that school and thinking I got to get the hell out of here? I got to be a star. <laughs> I, I don't want to see these kids ever again. Or were you <laughs> to be a music teacher if that was your going to be your life? No, I I, I had a, had a, a wife and a, and a daughter. I had responsibilities. I graduated from college and I <clears throat> got offered the job. We were looking for the record deal, and the first album was recorded while uh, both Chuck and I the bass player who was a music uh, art teacher, we were teaching. So we, we recorded the album at night. So, yeah, I mean, I, di I didn't, I liked teaching. It was okay. But, um, I, you know, I wanted to be in the Beatles. The moment I saw them in 1964 on Ed Sullivan, uh, we had formed a band, the Panazzo Brothers and myself, in 1962. In my, in my basement, 26 East, the name of my new album uh, is the address of that house. Oh, wow. So, since this is my last album, where it, where it begins, so shall it end, all that stuff, which is why <clears throat> I have a song on, you can see both of these videos. Uh, Perry, I'll do your homework for these guys. They're like, I think one of them's drunk. Is he still okay? <laughs> uh, there's a song called To the Good Old Days, which basically ends my album. It's a duet with Julian Lennon. Can oh, you imagine? Wow. Oh. From a 17-year-old kid, kid who saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan to, to end up doing his last uh, record and, and singing a duet with Jules. It was, it was just, you know, it was a marvelous thing that happened to me. Fantastic. That's awesome. All right. Are we, are, are we, could we, could, I have more musical questions, but I don't want to, I, Perry, I'll, uh, are we, we have a few more minutes? Uh, that's up to um, Dennis. Can I ask you a couple more questions because, I, because I'm, a, a, you know, a music nerd? Yeah. Uh, yeah see, I'm, I'm very, very entertaining, but there's some more people. That's enough for that guy. So let's go. No, 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 no. I, I want to question about you guys um, in the old days. You didn't record with click tracks, right? Yes. From 1979 forward, everybody started doing it. But the first eight albums, no click. And, and, no. and how would you describe the difference in the, how it affected the music to play with it and without it? And why, and why do you do it? You know, it's a good question. That is a good question. I think, you know, today music is, is so manipulated by uh, Pro Tools and every, any other device. You can put everything in time, everything in tune. Um, to this day, I won't allow myself to do that when I record. It's got, if I can't stand in there and do it, you know, even if it takes me 25, 30 takes, then I should go back to barber college. That's my view I do for a living. Right. So, um, but the click tracks were nice for long songs, you know, because to stay at perfect time for a long period of time, it takes, takes great skill. And I don't mind playing to a click, but you can't, they can do things now. It's called put it on a grid, but you can, right. you know, put everything in. And that's what's wrong with records. They don't sound real. They're, they can be, they can be very well done. Don't get me wrong. They're well done. Billy Eilish. You know, that's, it's well done for what that is. But the thrill of standing in a room and watching somebody do something, they spent countless hours to perfect. Yeah. To me, that, that's, that's where human beings should aspire. They should say, this is what I can do. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you, like, I, go, I go back now, I listen to some of the isolated tracks, like Beatle isolated tracks on YouTube. Like, so there's, they had the isolated tracks of the Something in the Way She Moves, you know, the George Harrison song. And if you go back and listen to it, that bridge speeds up. I mean, clearly speeds up. And then they relax back into the, the tempo again for, for the verse. And I listened to that. I'm saying, you know, if they had actually recorded that with a click, it wouldn't feel the same. It would be stiff 
it would just be different. It wouldn't, it just couldn't be the same. It wouldn't sound like a band. I like you better now than when you didn't know I, I wasn't in sticks. Uh, <laughs> Listen to Come Sail Away. The chorus speeds up. But in those days, that was a trick a lot of bands used. Was when the, when the hook came in, the, the drummer says, let's kick it up a little bit. Because, you know, it's a lift. Yeah. So Come Sail Away, if you, if you put a click on the, on, the, on the verses, when it comes, boom, it, it, it takes off. And, and that's, very natural. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. Yeah. yeah. If you watch orchestras and the conductor, there, there's nobody going, nah, 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 here's the metric. No, it's human beings learning to play together. It's the most natural thing in the world when you come to something exciting to speed up a little bit. It's, 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 it's all part of the same thing. And when they, when they compress that, I, they, they kill something in a lot of music to me, especially rock music. I've always felt well, that. I, I'm sure if you call Jody Glissman, <clears throat> Jody Best, she set this up. Pretty sure, she, yeah. Uh, she'll send you my album. You can listen to it. You know, was it done to click? Yeah, most of it. There are parts that are done, you know, where I'll just play and try to get a feel. Uh, but ultimately, with the way records are done today, where my musicians are all over the United States, yeah. and it doesn't be cost effective to bring anybody in for a period of time. <clears throat> because you can't make any money off making rec rock records anymore. There's no money to be had because you guys know this. You know the definition of a schmuck? What's that? Somebody, somebody who pays for something they can get for free. <laughs> and All that's right. music. Just Gal's a musician too. Come on, Dave. You, you, I'm hey, sure you have your music. Way, Norm, I don't know if you saw Dave just put out a... Uh, I said it to him. A, a um, video where he's singing the Summer Highland Falls. Summer Highland Falls with images of the Comedy Cellar. Dennis, the Comedy Cellar is where we usually work when there's not a pandemic. It's a comedy club here in Manhattan. And so Dave uh, singing Summer Highland Falls with. Uh, they say that these are not the best of times, but they're the only time. That Billy Joel song. Did you, did you see the video now? Yeah, I saw it. It, I it, 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 made, it, it made me cry. Oh. Very sentimental. Thank you. Um, but I, I don't want I don't want to bother Dennis with that. Yeah. We have we have vocalists here among us. Uh, <laughs> I gotta tell you something well, that, else, Dennis. This this might this might um, uh, flatter you. So when I we, when I first started, I saw the Cafe One in Manhattan in the in the nineties, uh, and uh, I used to audition a lot of musicians, and people would come in at least three four times a year, and they were doing you. Like they would sing like you, they would write like you, they, they were totally like trying to, to steal your aura or your, or, or, or your essence, you know? And um, there's very few people who ever had that effect on musicians that I can see. Like people would come in and want to be Hendrix or want to be McCartney, you know? And I can remember there was one guy, Dean Bohanna, I still remember his name. He wanted to be you, you know? So I, that, that's really... You know, you, that should make you very proud, honestly, as, as, as someone yeah. watching it. Yeah, it, it's lovely, but I'll need their names so I can have them executed. <laughs> <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't actually be you. He was so oh, captivated with no, you. No, but that's why it's amazing that your voice is still so good. Did you ever smoke cigarettes? Were you a cigarettes guy? No. Because I'm always amazed how some of these singers, like a Billy Joel, smokes. Sinatra. And his voices <laughs> hold up. Right, but the, and, they, and their voice holds up. It's not, it's not even fair. Well, Can I ask like, a question when you're done with the voice conversation? Yeah, go ahead, Perry, uh, you say what? Perry Ashenbrand, everybody. Well, um, <laughs> I've, done, I've done a good deal of my homework, um, Dennis, and I'm really curious how someone who has such an incredibly long and strong history of being the kind, in, in the kind of limelight and rock and roll life that you have has managed to stay married for 50 years? <laughs> That's the best question of all. Well, I didn't have the nerve to ask it. It's really simple. You don't, you know, you, you, you don't get divorced. And when the problems <laughs> arise, <clears throat> when problems are what? When problems arise, you have to figure out that you're, um, have you noticed we're human beings? Uh, we're not very good at anything when it comes right down to it. I, I told you, I'm, I'm fed up with human beings. Their behavior is too crazy. 
maybe just because now we can see it everywhere all the time on the thing or over there. I don't like them. I'm, I'm, I'm doing away with most of them. But when two people get together, <clears throat> um, the, do they think it's happily ever after? What a load of horse shit that is. That's the grand illusion. Uh, human beings figure out a way between them um, to get along through lots of craziness that's going to take place in any, anybody's lifetime. But if you love somebody, uh, I met my, my wife, she's 15, I was 17. Wow. Uh, hey now. Been together 56 <laughs> years. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish I could define it, but you have to be willing to forgive people for being stupid asses and uh, understand that the most important thing, at least it was to me, we have very similar backgrounds. I'm half Italian, she's half Italian. Uh, uh, we're both Catholic, raised Catholic. Um, we have a lot of belief systems that are the same, but ultimately, Periel, here's the secret. Jesus Christ, I love the way she smells. Oh. <laughs> That's very that sweet. Noam and his wife have very little in common, so we're all keeping our fingers crossed. I like the way she smells. <laughs> <laughs> my doctor told me that the secret to, to a successful long marriage is usually the woman the, the woman being forgiving and and patient with the man that's, that's his remember he out. met his wife before he became any famous it's a miracle that i don't even think i've ever heard that story yeah i, mean, I, think, were... I think bono bono i think has a similar story well, Howard Stern had that story, but then he, you know, he eventually. Yeah, exactly. Right, it didn't uh, work. Among musicians, I believe Bono is a similar story, but I need to research that. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he met her very young, wasn't famous yet, and has been with her ever since. So it can yeah. happen. Yeah. You know, she doesn't care. I mean, she cares if I'm successful. She wants it for me. But um, she's grounded me. Yeah, I have two children. We raised them on the road, both wow. of us. Um, wow. Yeah, we did. We traveled together from 1976. So the current, uh, she's in my band. She sings on stage now. She never oh. did before. Um, and my son is my LD. And, you know, the, so it's wow. been like, it's that thing. It's an unusual situation. Yeah. I'm proud of it. Yeah, you it's know, amazing. You, you know what you want to do right now, Mario? When this is over, you go look at to the good old days. <clears throat> You're going to love it. You want to know why? Because of the pandemic. Julian ends up in Europe, and I end up in my aunt's attic. You know, we have to, so I have to come up with an idea for the, it's the first single in the video. So I went and I got all my Super 8s and the VHSs and the old photographs. Remember, I was born in 47. So I got stuff. And we made a video that shows you my life story from the guy who's not on stage from the guy behind the grand illusion. And uh, I think you're gonna love it. You'll see my wife, my kids, my oh, parents. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, you'll see the early, the three guys who started the band in 1962 as kids with our accordions and our black tuxes and our bow ties. And so go watch it. It'll make you feel good. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, that's not a, guys, this is not a story for people who like rock and roll. It's not a story. They want a drug addict. They want a guy who's divorced. They want a guy who's doing blow off of you know what. They want a guy who's leading the life that they think they'd like to be able to. You know what? If they did for 10 minutes, they'd realize what, it, what a horrible thing that is. Bruce Springsteen's also, his life is, is not uh, what you just described. I just read his autobiography, which was very, very good, I thought. But he doesn't have any of those stories about the blow and the, this and the hook. He, I mean, he was married twice, but he had long relationships and he avoided drugs and pretty straight, narrow kind of a guy. And that's but, why you need a Tommy Shaw to even things out. <laughs> <laughs> you have the perfect band. <laughs> well, all the lawyers, please listen. <laughs> all right, listen, we got, we got to wrap it up. We're at an hour. Oh man! It's one of the guests we've had, and we have comedians on, and Dennis bested many of them with his uh, his zingers. I must say. Yeah, you really, and it was an honor to Dennis meet you a, as a comedian, uh, stand up comic, uh, in him waiting to get out if he's interested. We we can certainly put sounds that way, right? You don't understand this. The first person I wanted to be as a child, as a kid, I didn't want to be. Well, I wanted to be the center field center fielder for the White Sox, and then, but the first my recollection is I, I want to be Jerry Lewis. 
<laughs> I wanted to be Jerry Lewis. I love Jerry Lewis. Lady, pretty lady. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, you um, have been so wonderful. Once again, his sixth original, his sixth original yeah. solo album, solo studio album is coming out called 26 East Volume 1. Please download it and check it out, Dennis DeYoung. Go ahead, Perry. Yeah. you want to? Well, it says something I didn't mean to. Right, quickly, uh, podcast at comedyseller.com uh, for comments, suggestions, and uh, all that sort of stuff. And Dennis, is there any place in particular you'd like to send fans and new fans and to, to check out on your um, work? Anything in particular that you'd like to plug? Yeah, send them to the CDC. We need them. Uh, here's what I would <laughs> Um, the the album's good. been May, I don't know, it's been out a while. You can buy it wherever they buy the, well, you can steal it wherever they steal these things these days. Go there, yeah. look on it, go to YouTube, it's free. People are having hard times, watch for free. You'll be entertained, you'll enjoy it. Uh, I have a Facebook page, and uh, no stooges, no bots. I write everything on there. I don't write constantly, because, you know, what am I going to be on Twitter? Forget about uh -huh. it. I think we should find Dorsey. I want to have a word with that guy. He, he, needs, he needs a good talking to. I don't understand it. I mean, does every, does every thought by a human being need to be expressed? Stop this. <laughs> All right. Young people, go check out Sticks if you're not familiar with them. Uh, you, you know, you might uh, find... Uh, Find it, uh, and get yourself an accordion. It's a it's a very very good <laughs> instrument. It's you know it really is. It's always it, it, you break out, get outside the box and learn an instrument that you that you don't hear every day. It might inspire you to play some music that people haven't heard. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm saying good night. Good night, everybody. Good Thanks night. again, Dennis. Thank good you. Night. Bye, Dennis. Thank you. Dave. Bye, Dennis. Thank you. Dave, do you want to say where we can find you? Oh, just, uh, you know, at Instagram at Dave Juskow. And, uh, boy, it was really exciting to uh, meet Dennis DeYoung. I got to say, for real, I mean. We didn't get to talk to you one-on-one uh, -on -one very much. Not oh, really. that's all right. I mean, this was way better. I mean, this was great. Thank you for having me on on a day like today. Well, I mean, I really, I mean, I really, really kind of worshipped that guy. And uh, it was an honor to meet him. And he was really funny, was too. On, and I don't think Periel knew that you'd be good with him, but it just worked out that way. I, oh, I certainly did know. How could I not have? Well, I was telling Dan on Monday, I said, you know, interesting about those guys is that uh, during the Gulf War, uh, it was sticks that kind of got everybody through the Gulf War because they had just written this song, which was Helping America, which was um, the one, every night I say a prayer with the hopes that there's a... And then Tommy Shaw was in this band, Damn Yankees which all the troops were listening to overseas with that song, Can You Take Me High Enough? So it's like kind of those two guys like helped America through a rough time. I, I didn't know that him and Tommy had beef, but you, you, you apparently... Oh, yeah. Oh, it's legendary, though. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, you know, I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, what... I mean, that happens. I mean, you know, I mean, it's amazing that they had this 20-year run. It's very rare. And so many hits. And again, this guy invented... He was so prolific and it was all mostly his doing with the 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 way he like like he said about alice cooper it's the perfect example alice cooper kind of invented music videos on stage like he was really trying hard to be more the production value of a concert and then sticks took it to a total other level which now people try to do in concert you know or at least they did for a while before they bought it back because i saw the weekend you know that guy in concert yeah, of course. and he bought it back the opposite way just saying stand in the middle of the arena and just sang all night with no dancers no instruments it was fantastic but like sticks you know he needed to bring it up to bring it back down and they they were like you know pioneers in that thing it was amazing totally. that time with them and foreigner and you know all those kind of bands i mean they, they're so Boston. So cool. Boston was kind of like that. Yeah, job. right. Boston. Yeah, I just saw. Yeah, Boston uh, open up for uh, Joan Jett uh, over the last summer. Oh wow! Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm friends with the uh, lead guitarist in uh, in Joan Jett, so uh, we go see her all the time. But Boston was opening for Joan Jett. Yeah, they switch off apparently. Well, the main guy died, right? Was it Brad Delp? 
Yeah, he, yeah, he died, which is the same because his voice was unbelievable. And it wasn't as good without him. There's a, there's a problem. It does, the songs don't work as well. But again, him and, uh, what's his name? Shots, uh, Tom, Tommy, Tom, no, not Tom, I'm thinking of Tommy Shaw. Tom, uh, Shots, his name, the guy that writes all the songs. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, which doesn't make any sense because it was very clear that this guy wrote all the songs and he was like, I think he was jealous of the guy's voice because he didn't sing. So, I mean, this is just the way bands. Tom Schultz, Tom Schultz. Tom Schultz, it was Tom. Okay, yeah. I mean, what he would do and, you know, with his guitars, I mean, he was uh, amazing too. But yeah, I I mean, just bands just, uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, let alone we know about the Beatles and all that kind of stuff. People just, just hard to get along, but he's got different ideas. They end up breaking up eventually. That's why U2 is amazing. I actually think those guys get along. Well, they're, they're, they're outliers because, like I said, I just looked it up. Uh, like uh, Bono met his wife like in, school, in like, high school or middle school. And, you know. Yeah, what a story that is. That's, I mean, to meet your wife before you become famous in rock and roll, it should be he's he right. He's on the be. road with his wife and his kids. I mean, he said he met his wife when she was 15. That's 15, insane. right. He, but it's like, that should be celebrated. But if he's right, we celebrate the other stuff. It's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, then I was thinking about what I was saying about Chicago. I don't know whether, he, I mean, it's a fact that that was the, the band Chicago hates that they look away was their number one song of all time. It was after Peter Cetera left and everything. And that was the number one song. I was just looking this up last week in 89. The people were starving for Nirvana. You know, it was like they had to, the music had to change. If you look at the top 10 songs of 1989, you'll see like they're like something needed to go. And then it was amazing how Nirvana just changed everything. And Noam was so right that we're just in this abyss right now, like waiting for somebody to deliver like an oasis or something that makes a difference in music, you know? And that's what Dennis was saying too. It's just, there's nothing happening. It's all the same. We need, we need another Beatles to change things around. I mean, think about before the Beatles, there was like Mozart. Was and, uh, <laughs> Sinatra and, and uh, you know, those crooners, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And then just, I mean, the Beatles just changed everything and there hasn't been a change like that oh. until Nirvana. So it's almost at the 30 year mark where we're ready. That change is coming. It's going to be exciting. I don't Maybe know who it's going to be. Maybe come after COVID. Let's, um, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm surprised it didn't change really after September 11th. Like music didn't. There was a couple of cool things coming out in 2000, and then it stopped. And then it just like didn't really go anywhere. You know, I mean, the, like I said, the Green Day and, and Weezer and the Foo Fighters are still putting out new albums, but they're still old school. You know, I mean, they came out in the 90s, but they're the last of the rock and roll people. Right. Um, why don't we uh, wrap it up? And uh, Dave, are you going to be down at the uh, Olive Tree? Just I was there last night. Oh, were you? David Tell and Russ Maneve and Nick Griffin. And we had oh, yeah, I saw that on Facebook. Um, yeah, well, yeah, if, if, you, if you think about it, if you, next time you're down there, you shoot me a text or not. But, you know, I'm looking to get oh, that. Well, we hung out Monday, so I didn't mind. Uh, you know, yeah. I didn't feel guilty about not I'm being. I want to head down there at some point. And, <laughs> We've uh, never done two days in a row before, so I don't yeah, know. You know. We don't need to, you know, push things. <laughs> but, but I had a really good time on Monday together with you. Yeah, we hung out Where on a roof. Did you guys go? We just were on a roof with some friends, uh, having a drink. It, it, doing anything that kind of normal as stupid as it is, just even having dinner on the street. I mean, first of all, they should close off. The mayor should close off McDougal Street between Third and Bleecker the, to, to traffic. It needs to. That's a street that needs to be blocked off if you're going to eat out on the street. It's too tight as it is. You know what I mean? So what does it feel really crowded? I haven't been there in months. It's a disaster. There, it's it's not good. It, Even we sitting were, outside is a disaster. To a lot of very aggressive homeless people, you know, a lot of foot traffic and a lot of car traffic, which makes things very difficult. Obviously, when you're eating, you know, where I live, like on Second Avenue, where they now built those bike lanes, so the cars park even further onto the street, so the the tables are really into the street, you know, it's, and it's just dangerous, you know, who knows? I mean, it, you know, right now we're not dealing with a lot of traffic and, and stuff and crazy people, but cause the bars are closing down early, but I don't know. I get nervous when I'm sitting outside. And when we went to little Italy two weeks ago, me and Dave, Attell and Russ, 
uh, the people were sitting in the much smaller streets there and they had to keep moving the people's tables and their food because two garbage trucks couldn't get by. Oh my God. And that's what disgusting. A nightmare. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun eating outside. Plus the weather has been perfect. I worry about when it gets too uh, when it went, right, it, it, or when it when it's you know too cold and and we get right. Get, well, we well hopefully by then you'd figure maybe we'll open up a little. But right. I worry about the. I mean, we've been very lucky. There hasn't been a lot of humidity. It's been cool nights, so everybody's been able to make a little bit of money. Ooh, I worry about when it gets really hot, where nobody wants to sit outside. Nights, baby. <laughs> so um. I got but uh, yeah. Speaking of food, I gotta, I gotta get some meat. I haven't eaten. Well, you know, I uh, am opening for Gaffigan on Saturday in Pennsylvania. I did it on Sunday at the racetrack. You know, we're doing drive-in shows where everybody sits in their car, and we're just performing. To really, it feels like nobody. Everybody looks like they're bombing. I'm used to that, so I did really mm-hmm. well. But no, it's really awkward. It's so strange. People flash their lights if they like what you're talking about. And are you on stage I'm with like a staff? But uh, if it's a paycheck, it's a paycheck. Yeah. If, am I on stage what? And then, then afterwards you hang out and it's fun. The, I always enjoy the afterwards part of comedy anyway, more than the performance. No, but that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Well, so, Perry, oh, I'm sorry. What were you saying? Just Is there a mic and sound and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a stage and a mic and sound and two big screens so everybody can see. And it's simulcast on the radio, just like a drive-in movie. Wow. Theater. But it's, you know, and it's not. You, you know, it's like four people a car, and uh, it's just really weird. But I think people are so desperate to do anything, even if they're not together because they're not outside, just to, knowing that there are other people next to them. I, I think that's how desperate we are. That's amazing, though. Yeah, 4,000 people. 4,000 people. I want to come. It's in Pennsylvania. You don't want to go there. <laughs> Gaffigan's an earner. Uh, sure is. China pandemic, the man. Yeah, they love them. Four thousand people during a pandemic. I mean, it was very thousand so cars. Like an open field. It's a parking lot. It's just a parking lot. I mean, this is a the racetrack I always go to, and they have this huge parking lot, and they mainly only use it one day a year for the Haskell, which is this Saturday. Normally, just not that many people come to the track anymore, but it was packed. You couldn't see the cars over like the horizon, like you don't see so far. And the video only, and the sound only goes halfway, and that's why people had to turn on their radios at the back end. He has a, uh, a video, like a drone, where you could see it go backwards and see all the cars. Thank you for so much for having me on. That was oh so Oh my God, exciting. Dave, we love having you. you I can't wait to Facebook time. him. <laughs> so Instagram, what's our Instagram, Barriel? Uh, at Live From The Table. All right, everybody, we will see you next time. Thanks for inviting me. Mwah, bye. Bye.